Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. I'm excited again to bring you another recording from the Word of God. Uh, we're going to be starting something new that we will continue through the life of the existence of this podcast. Something I like to do when I'm studying a book of the Bible is I like to do I like to meditate on the individual verses of that book of the Bible uh, daily. It's something I enjoy doing. And so here are the parameters before we get into this so that you have an idea of what to expect. What will happen or the way the way that I go about doing this is that I try to look at the verse alone. Now, what I might do for context is if the verse, for instance, we're gonna we're gonna begin today in the book of Jonah, and I'll give you the background as to why that is in just a moment. As I study through the book of Jonah, what I'll do is I'll I'll look at verses one look at verse one, and verse one ends with a semicolon connecting it to verse two. Now, if I can reasonably meditate on verse one alone, I'll try to do that. But if it doesn't really uh, give me much meat to to grab hold of without verse two, then I'll I'll put the verses together and um and and I'll go as far down as necessary in order to make sure that we 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 can examine the verse in proper context. But the idea is to just look at that verse and that verse alone. So we're not going to be running cross-references. We're not going to be looking at it in the bigger picture of the chapter. Uh, all that is good, nothing wrong with any of that, but we're what we're looking at here is simple meditation, just thinking through what the verse itself says, all right? And, and there's great benefit in doing that because it once you isolate it from its from its uh, uh, surroundings and you and you look at it individually, and then and then put it back into its larger context later, which we'll do. I'm going to be teaching through the book of Jonah. And, um, and, and what I do in these Bible med- meditations is not necessarily teaching through the book of Jonah. It's just meditating, thinking through, looking at the individual verses alone. Uh, both are important. And this goes back to a synthetic versus an analytical uh, perspective or of, of Bible study where you, where you look at the whole— but you also break it down to its individual parts. And that can be done in many ways. It can be the individual verse. It can be a phrase in the verse. It can be a word. It can be 
um, uh, an idea. I mean, I mean, there are numerous ways to break a Bible verse within a chapter or a book down into individual parts. And um, just as part of, of my daily morning meditation, I like to sit down. I have like a large art pad, um, and, and I like to write down the verse and then just just go through. And the first thing I do is I lay out the facts. What does the verse say? Literally, word for word, as it is, what does it say? And then I and then I go in and I try to provide some personal analysis based on what it says, and um, and so that that'll kind of be the structure and format of this, and and I I hope you'll enjoy it. I'm I'm studying two books of the Bible right now, the book of Jonah and the book of Daniel, and I do this with both of them. I'm going to start with Jonah, and then it'll take a, a Jonah will will probably take a pause for a while. Um, what, you know, and I'll give you the background of, of each. I'm studying the book of Daniel to teach it in the Masaka Bible College. Um, Brother Keith Stensis, the missionary I work with here, has a Bible school that, that he allows me to teach in, which is a tremendous blessing. I love teaching the Bible. I mean, it's just, there's, it's what I, if I could do anything with the rest of my life, it would be teaching the Bible. I like preaching the gospel. I like being out on the streets. I like holding signs. I like dealing with people on a one-on-one basis, but there is nothing I like more that I enjoy more than studying with the greatest depth that I am capable of and then teaching God's people what I have learned from the Bible. So so that's, anyways, all that to say, I, thank, I praise the Lord that Brother Keith has allowed me to do that. Uh, but I'll be teaching the book of Daniel next semester. Now, the next semester doesn't start until uh, February of 2023, uh, but as you can imagine, the book of Daniel is quite heavy <laughs> and needs some some time for preparation. So I, I've been going through that, and um, it, it's complex. Uh, you know, there there are some traditional teachings that have been handed down that I'm I'm really struggling with, um, and so I've decided to to throw out all the traditional teaching and all the things that I thought I had learned about Daniel. And first, I'm going to go through verse by verse in this manner and meditate on each verse and just see simply what does the verse say. Then we're going to put it in its larger context and we're going to keep going and going and going until we can build a case for what is what is said and then try to reconcile it to the traditional teaching if it is indeed reconcilable. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where that goes and how my loving brethren handle that. <laughs> uh, now the book of Jonah uh, as those of you who keep up with our prayer letter might know, um, starting December, the first week of December, the first Monday of December, which is the 5th and 6th, Monday and Tuesday, uh, I'll be going out to the village of Chazanga, and uh, we'll be taking uh, uh, lots of equipment with us, and we're going out there for the purpose of training and teaching the church there how to go street preaching, how to establish public ministry, and, and uh, to really... Uh, spend time with those guys, teaching them and training them. And um, the first day on Monday, I, I will sit with them and we'll do about four or five hours of Bible teaching exclusively, specifically just teaching the Bible. And um, the book I'm going to be teaching them is the book of Jonah. So the first day we'll probably go through chapter an, an introduction and then through chapter one. And uh, that that's the goal with the book of Jonah. Jonah is an Old Testament book that has very real missiological implications. Um, it's it's a missions focused book, if you will, um, and so there's a lot to glean from that and learn from that. And uh, 
There's a lot to learn from the book of Jonah about our attitude towards being obedient to the will of God. I, I think that's probably the primary focus of, of most of the Bible teaching from Jonah. Uh, but we want to try to get as well-rounded from the book as we can, so I'll be teaching that book out in the village. And uh, so today, for this broadcast, having given you all that foundation and introduction, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go through verses 1 and 2. Uh, just in a a meditation format. Uh, We're just going to talk about what it says. I'm going to give you some, based on the facts, based on what it actually says, I'm going to throw out some ideas that I have. And I I really try to refrain from running cross-references or dragging into it things that I know um, uh, about the book already or about some of the related topics, but it's nearly impossible not to do that completely. And And I'm sure... I've probably in my notes already gotten off track and or will get off track just talking to you um, because it's 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 difficult not to bring in things you already know uh, or or to connect them. Uh, But we do want to make sure what we think we already know gets corrected by what we find out from the word of God. It's important to continually check what you think, you know, uh, against the the facts that you learn as you study and learn more from from the Word of God, um, that way you continually update properly update what you what you perceive to be good Bible teaching or good Bible doctrine. It needs to continually be checked and compared against the Word of God. Now, not against somebody else's book or somebody else's new teaching that comes out, you know, every every year or so, so they can sell a new book. That's not that's not the case here. We just want to verify what we think we know and and better formulate it based on what we learn from the Bible, from the Word of God. It's it's incredibly important, and we want to make sure we do that. So, all right, that's nine minutes of introduction. Let's see if we can get through Jonah verses one and 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 two uh, with the time that we have left. So our passage is Jonah one verses one and two. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, you know, I'm going to give you the stated fact, and then we're going to go into some personal analysis uh, immediately after we, we lay out the facts. And so the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. This this terminology is common, in especially in the in the prophets, um, in in the in the section of the Bible that that we often label the the prophets. That we have the the major and the minor prophets, and and you know however they those have been uh, divvied up in that way. But the the terminology is often used to make clear where the words of the speaker, the human the human mouthpiece, came from. Uh, these are not Jonah's words. Um, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now we know, uh, of course, again, y- y- trying not to bring in what you already know, but 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 those of you who are familiar with Jonah, you know that Jonah wasn't too excited about the message he was given to preach, not because it was a difficult message. That's what's interesting here. When I studied through the book of Haggai, man, Haggai had a hard message to preach. You think about Jeremiah, had a hard message to preach. Um. They struggled with the message that they had to give out. And Haggai didn't seem to struggle too much, but it was a hard, it was a hard message to have to, to, to disseminate. Jonah's upset with the people. 
he's upset at the potential, the possibility that these people could be, uh, could be, could, could receive salvation from God. Now, again, this is not salvation in terms of salvation of the soul, uh, but their city was going to be spared from destruction that God was going to divvy out because of their disobedience, because of because their wickedness was so great that, that God had to deal with it. And so the words that Jonah had to to give out were not his own. They were the, it was the word of the Lord. It was God's word. That, that's extremely important to to understand and to and to be clear about when it when it comes to these messages. If we don't, if we're not clear with people that it's God that said this, not me. It's not my opinion. It's not my opinion versus your opinion. This is what God has to say. And so the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and the message that Jonah would preach to Nineveh. Um, you know, it's not one that he would have chose to go and preach. Uh, it, you know, it, he, there, there may have been, there, there's an aspect and what we'll get to it. I want to get ahead of myself. There's an aspect of his message that he would have been happy to preach. Um, but then there's a, another part of the message. He was not so happy to preach. He was not so excited about. And so, um, and so the fact is that, that the message comes from God and though it was delivered by Jonah with mixed emotions, on on the one hand, he, you know, he he would like to see the destruction of the city of Nineveh. Um, obviously, they had problematic relationship a problematic relationship with Israel, and uh, they were not very kind to each other. Um, Jonah would like to just see the destruction. Now imagine that people, the people, uh, a people you despise. God tells you, I want you to go preach to those people so they'll repent. That's hard. Can you get over your your, uh, personal prejudices or um, dislikes of of certain people and groups to go and preach the gospel to them? (laughs) That's what God's asking Jonah to do. He's not even asking him to do it. He just said, I want you to go preach to those people. He didn't say, Jonah, now I know you don't like these people, but I, I... I need you to, you know, get over that. No, he just said, go preach to those people. Tell them what I'm going to do if they don't repent. And um, Jonah was expected to do it. Now, on the other hand, Jonah knows potentially that city might repent. And if they repent, if they hear what Jonah's going to preach and they believe God through Jonah's preaching, they might repent and they would be spared. <laughs> That's the part Jonah's not. He's okay with the destruction. He's not okay with the 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 grace and the redemption and the you know the 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 uh, um, the possibility that God would 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 not destroy them. He just wants. He's like God. We we're your chosen nation. We're your chosen people. Why would you spare them? They've been mean to us, and that's our mentality. We think that because we belong to God, God's going to intervene in the world in such a way as to spare us or or be favorable to us. And, and that he would do nothing to, to, to be a help or a blessing or to be gracious or merciful to our enemies, that's not the case. God, God wants you to preach the gospel to people that we hate, people that despise us and despitefully use us and do all sorts of horrible things to us. God says, go, go preach the gospel. Word of the Lord came to Jonah, and he was supposed to go preach. Now, this word came from the Lord. It came unto Jonah. And uh, Jonah is identified as the son of Amittai. So we 
we get some very limited informa- information in the first two verses about Jonah himself. Uh, but of course, this this can all be run through the Bible with cross references, and you can learn more about Jonah and and and, uh, and some things about him. But and we'll discuss the people involved uh, in, in greater detail when, when I actually teach through the verses, uh, which I will record here. I'll, I'll teach it out in the village for the the guys out there, and then I'll also come here and record it for the for the podcast for broader viewing and listening. Uh, but we do learn two things: he received the word of the Lord, so he. He is a prophet, um, and and that he is the son of a mitai. Now, again, I'm, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna go into detail about who who he is and where he came from and all that. I, that is in my notes for when I teach through uh, these verses, but um, that's not our prerogative here. Now, at the time of his receiving this word from the Lord, um, the word he received is extra biblical. That is, it, it was its external revelation. It, it, it was outside the word of God that was written at that time. That is, he, the, you, you, you couldn't have access to what Jonah preached without Jonah. <laughs> he received it, and then he went and he preached it to, to Nineveh. Now, this is an area where we, we as Christians, we've got to be careful. It, it's, it's problematic uh, in, in many ways. Prophets receiving external revelation from God was anomalous. It only happened at certain times for certain reasons. God would raise up a prophet and and have him deal with various people. Now, usually it was Israel, the, the nation, whether it was the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom or, or the nation as a whole, um, God would raise up a prophet to deal with them. It's unbelievably rare that God raised up a prophet specifically to go to a Gentile nation. Nineveh, a great city in Assyria, um, that, that's, that's, a, that's an odd thing that doesn't happen very often. And so where we have to be careful is it was not the norm for, for a man to receive word from God. And this is where, you know, there are a few points here in the first two verses. I'm going to lose some of you (laughs) as you like the, I have peace from God and I have a word from God and the Lord led me and the Lord told me and all these things suggest uh, extra revelation outside the word of God. And we just got to be careful with that. It's not something you should flippantly throw out there. I believe God leads us and guides us. I believe he does it through his word. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a torn situation where, uh, let's, let's take, for example, my coming to Uganda, God didn't tell me directly to come to Uganda. Okay. But every step of the way, the Lord opened every door and, and, and made provision and made clear to me, it seemed that he wanted us in Uganda. And so now what am I supposed to do with that? Do I say the Lord led me and the Lord told me, (laughs) I don't think that's proper terminology, but at the same time, I think it can be demonstrated objectively that that this is the direction the Lord wanted us to go in, and uh, what He has next for us, I I don't know yet, but but it, it it I don't believe there is any mistake in us coming here. I think it can be objectively demonstrated as what the Lord wanted us to do. So I guess you take that for what it's for what it's worth. It was not the norm. And, and then the words they received are now recorded in God's word. So when, when a prophet received word from God and went out and preached it, it, it more likely than not was recorded in his word 
at some point, and so we have it written in the Word of God. Whatever your external revelation is from God, it's not making its way into the book, <laughs> and it and it doesn't have that broader purpose of learning and admonition and and being an ensample to God's people and instructive and doctrine and all that. It doesn't it doesn't have that quality. Um, it's just you saying God told you something. <laughs> And so that it just it it doesn't fit with the way things happened with these prophets and and these anomalous situations that came up and God used when He needed and and so um we we potentially cause confusion when we attempt to receive external revelation outside of the Word of God. It's just best to stick with the Word of God. You know th- th- that idea it ends up getting abused. You know, if you say you heard from God, what's going to stop the next person from saying they heard from God? And though maybe you meant it in a biblical fashion, and maybe indeed it did work out in a biblical manner, but the next person, you have plenty of people who show up to a pastor's office and say, the Lord is leading me, the Lord told me, the Lord gave me peace about leaving my spouse. (laughs) And what do you do with that? The Lord told you this, well, the Lord told them that. And so what... What we all need to do on both sides, the safe place is, here's what the Bible says, that's what I'm going to do. It, it, if we keep it that simple, that's the, that's the safe ground. Now, his, his instructions were, arise, go to Nineveh. And the idea, the idea was to, or, or the idea that he was to arise brings about a couple of potential idea, a couple of potential um, interpretations, or, or it can be presented or, or understood a couple of different ways. Uh, first, he may have been physically seated or laying down, and therefore the Lord is instructing him to to physically get up. And it may have, it may or may not have, or you may imply into this, you know, a, a negative connotation. If this is the case, it it indicates potentially a a physically lethargic or lazy prophet. And uh, he, he should have been actively involved in the father's business. And the Lord here is telling him, get up, <laughs> get busy. Um, I, I think that is a plausible read into the, the verses. And um, when, you, when you look again, again, dragging into this, what we already know about Jonah and the book of Jonah is uh, he was an indifferent, stubborn, unmotivated <laughs> prophet. That's who Jonah was as you read through the book. And um and and so it 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 seems plausible that he he may have just been kicking back and and didn't care to do what God had called on him to do. These prophets were often called upon early in their life to to be a prophet or to be ready to be a prophet. And and um you have guys like Jeremiah and and um and Isaiah and Samuel who were who were ready to respond to the Lord's call. And and all three of those men had very difficult ministries, especially Jeremiah. Uh, I don't think anybody can, few people in the world can complain about persecution after reading the book of Jeremiah and, and being dealt with um, harshly because of the ministry the Lord gave him. Uh, but when it comes to Jonah, <laughs> Jonah was just, um, he's a whole different monster. <laughs> And uh, I, I hope to learn a lot from Jonah as I study this. I already have and, and think I will, and, and, I, and I pray it'll be a help and a blessing to me. 
Uh, I hope you will as well. I hope we'll take very serious Jonah's attitude and and use it as an example of what not to be. Now, the second read into this you could have is he may have been under emotional distress or in a state of depression. And this again is unaccept is an unacceptable situation for a child of God. I'm not make I'm not take, making light of depression and or anxiety or any of the other uh, you know emotional distresses that people go through. They're very serious. Um, but the Lord has enabled us. The Christian the Christian attitude towards these ideas is 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 very much a a pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. Uh, and this is so because the Lord has prepared us. He has enabled us to be able to deal with these situations and and um, and 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 to pull ourselves out of it. Now, when I say pull ourselves out of it, it's through that enabling the the Holy Spirit that indwells within us, the Word of God, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, fellowship with the brethren, uh, fellowship in the presence of God. There, there, there are many ways the Lord has given us to be able to get out of these things, and and uh, we need to do that. So the idea is arise, get up, and go get to work. Do what the Lord has told you to do. Now, that great city, we're given a few details in verse 2 about Nineveh. First, it was a great city. And this is always man's perspective. Now, in this case, God, God agrees it is a great city, uh, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily come with it a uh, positive connotation. Uh, it might be great, um, but the greatness of a city, along with its beauty and grandeur, are often deceptive. You got to be very careful. It comes with a great price that must be weighed heavily. It can be objectively noted: the greater a city. That is, in temporal terms, the greater the sin, the greater the confusion, the greater the violence, the greater the tyranny, and the list could go on and on and on. Rarely does great in reference to a, a major city point towards holiness, righteousness, goodness, morality. It, it, it runs rapidly in the, in the wrong direction when it comes to those things. Uh, a great city is where you, you really see the course of this world in full force. Move, moving it at a high speed, and so you got to be careful. Uh, the city may be great in man's eyes, and God may even agree that that men have built a great city that has reached the realm of greatness. But be careful to consider the spiritual implications that that come with that supposed greatness. You, you got to be careful. It might be a great city, but it may not be good for you spiritually. And so, uh, Richard Yerby a missionary who who was in Japan for years, he wrote that if you're going to live in Sodom and Gomorrah, you better burn the city down with 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 preaching. You better you better be out actively doing all that you can to win souls to Christ, and uh, and that's that's the case. Now, second, cry against it. This great city is about to be warned that they are subject to an even greater God. It doesn't matter how great your city is; it's you're not going to get outside the bounds of God's. Authority. If he if he if he calls your number, you're going to answer. Uh, he might allow it to to go on for some time and his his long suffering and his grace and his mercy. But when he calls your number, you better believe you're going to answer. Uh, don't don't take that kindness and that graciousness for weakness or for indifference. It's not that's not what it is. That's God being gracious. That's God giving you time to get it right. And if you don't, he's going to come knocking on your door. Uh, no matter how great or grand, no matter how strong, when God decides to pour out his wrath, who will stand? What are you going to do? Nothing. 
you better repent is what you should do. And it is in this contrast that that great city that God is sending a prophet to cry against that we learn where to place our priorities. You've got to focus on the spiritual, not the physical, not the temporal. That physical city might be great. That doesn't mean it's going to help you spiritually. Um, The spiritual realities that define what pleases God must take precedent in our lives. And and all these are important. Now, now third, their wickedness. uh, So then greatness is not equal to righteousness. Look at the greatness of cities in America, San Francisco, Las Vegas, New York city, Seattle, Portland, wonderful, beautiful, great, grand cities. (laughs) The list could go on. Great cities full of beauty and wonder. Also places of great wickedness, the greatest of wickedness the world has ever known. The level of confusion, sin, and wickedness that comes from those few cities alone is compounded if we were to name more and more cities worldwide. It just gets worse and worse. All right, so so that don't don't mistake greatness with goodness. <laughs> All right, is is come up before me. We'll end with this, and this may lose a few more of you. We'll try to get through as much of this as we can. Um, some of you are gonna struggle with this idea. The knowledge of God as defined in the word of God is contrary to the typical Baptist understanding. Here we go. Our churches are far more influenced by Calvinism and systematic theology than the word of God. Calvinism should be properly rebuked and we should stay away from it altogether. It just, it's a pagan philosophy called fatalism. That's what Calvinism actually is that is taught in the name of Jesus. You can't do that. It's like Christmas and Easter. <laughs> paganism with Jesus name on it. It's, it's same idea. Now, systematic theology, um, has had a major influence on us and it, and it has really, um, caused problems with our ability to understand. And so, um, we got to stop here. We'll talk about it more on the, on the next one. I'll pick up here and, and just briefly update on this, but, um, that's our time for today. Thank you for listening and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.